0: structure uh, the moon of Mars of I'm to specify there's a monolith we've discovered a base on the back side of the moon the scientist pulled out one of these mosaics and showed this base wow. geometric shapes there were towers there were uh, spherical uh, buildings. There were very tall towers and things that looked somewhat like radar dishes. but they were large structures. And if there was really something there. Don't you think somebody would have said something? saying it all along. We interrupt our program to bring you a special broadcast. Welcome to the Zero Brain Podcast, kids. This is Dave Grave, and today we continue with Chapter 3 of Somebody Else is on the Moon by George Leonard. Alright, read it from jibbity-jabbity, fucking, the fuck that, guys. More than a dozen feet and shoes have washed up on fucking British Columbian beaches, but only one case remains unsolved. Yeah, so apparently, if you guys follow David Pilates you'll know that there's been this phenomena of people uh, whose bodies uh, wash up on shore from time to time, but the only wrinkle in this story is, is that it's not the entire fucking body, okay, you get the foot and you get a shoe, it's a package deal, kind of reminds me of uh, the fucking, the jerky boys, you guys remember those fucking people? There was this one skit where this guy fucking pretends to sell, like, Civil War memorabilia. And he tells this guy, he gets him on the phone. They're all prank calls. And he gets this guy on the phone he tells him he's got an old Civil War boot. With the fucking foot still in it. <laughs> anyway, next article. <clears throat> next article, because uh, that, that was fucking shit. Okay, uh... What do you got here? Fucking... Alright. TheSun.com. In a stunning admission, the Pentagon admits that uh, it's been testing wreckage from UFO crashes and findings may change our lives forever, a fucking expert says. And I love how he says, the findings may change our lives forever. Are you serious, bro? I would assume it's a goddamn definitive. Hey, bro. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, you know the, the government found UFOs? Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. Hey, you want to know something else? Oh, what's that? They've been flying the cock things, too. Holy fuck. Yeah, so that means they know how to use the motherfucking things, which means they know how to make more. Of course it's going to change our fucking lives, you jerk-off. Fuck out of here. So, back to this fucking crazy story. The Pentagon has admitted to holding and testing wreckage from UFO crashes in a bombshell freedom of information letter Shared with the fucking sun. Researcher Anthony Bregalia wrote to the Defense Intelligence Agency requesting details of all UFO material and ended up getting the fucking home run of a lifetime. He says that, uh, his his report that he got, the the findings he got back said it could include physical debris recovered by personnel of the Department of Defense as residue, flotsam, shot off fucking materials, or crash materials from the new moniker for UFOs, unidentified aerial phenomena. I love how they always redefine shit. Like the first word wasn't good enough, assholes. Yep. So, in response, the DIA released 154 pages of test results that includes reports on mysterious memory metal called nitinol, which remembers its original shape when folded. Bregalia said it was a stunning admission from the U.S. government, and the documents reveal that some of the retrieved debris possesses extraordinary fucking capabilities including the, th- the potential to make things invisible or even slow down the speed of light. <laughs> That's fucking crazy. The Pentagon has admitted to holding and testing anomalous debris from UFOs, it says. And it actually has this fucking report here on the fucking page. It has the original FOIA request here, which is pretty fucking remarkable if you think about it and uh, the request says they have been able to learn some things about the materials of construction which hold tremendous promise as futuristic materials will change our lives forever. They don't detail how though, do they? Nope. They never do. And they never detail exactly whose lives will be fucking changed. So yeah, Apparently the government... There's your disclosure, folks. You heard it here. And they, If you've never had disclosure, if you don't even know what disclosure is, it's when the government decides to tell everybody that aliens exist. Well, I just fucking did it for you. Courtesy to the U.S. government. Thank you. Stephen Greer, Dr. Stephen Greer, what is he going to do now? His whole life is fucking upside down now. Moving on. Dailystart.co.uk. Elon Musk. We all know that fucking wacky fuck, right? Some of you drive his shitty cars. <laughs> Or what's left of them after you go down the fucking freeway past 10 miles an hour. Elon Musk claimed he is an alien in a bizarre Twitter exchange when asked about his empire. Hmm. What do you say to that? The Tesla and SpaceX owner became the world's richest person last month. Take that Bill Gates and Jeff Baldy fuckface Bezos. You slippery-eyed, beady-eyed prick. His response came <clears throat> when um, asked about how he runs so many massive companies simultaneously. Well, it, let me let me just jump in here real quick. You know what it is? Delegation. This guy read The Art of War a thousand fucking times. Probably got the fucking thing memorized. Elon Musk says he is a fucking alien. Two years after denying suspicions that he hails from another fucking planet. That's right. The SpaceX and Tesla founder, who's 49 years old, made the jaw-dropping claim in response to a question about how he runs so many massive companies at the same time. No. A man, a a mere mortal, mere human being couldn't do that shit. No, you have to be a fucking dumbass alien to do that. the fuck out of here. What a bunch of garbage. Moving on. People will believe fucking anything. All right, you guys are going to like this next article. From FreeP.com, the Detroit Free Press. Warren police searched for a man who pooped and unlocked cars at an auto shop. What a fucking asshole. So employees at two different Warren auto shops were shocked when they realized that a random man pooped in their fucking cars that belonged to customers. <laughs> Imagine getting the stink out after that. Holy shit. Sir, that is not what the visor is... F- oh, God, what is he doing? Sir, that is not how you met... Ma- Should I tell him how that's not how he uses the fucking stick shift? Oh, my God. Where, where did it go? Christ. We're gonna get this man in automatic. The first man... The man first struck at Mr. Friendly Auto Service in November. That's right. Basically. It just boils down that there's a guy who's, uh. going to these auto places and taking shits in your fucking car. <laughs> just fucking disgusting. What do they call that? A soup kitchen? It's a fucking. It's filthy. Next article. Fucking people. Christ, man. <laughs> Alright. So, um. If you've listened to this fucking show long enough, you know I hate fucking robots. I despise them. That's right. So it is, with a small measure of dread and satisfaction, I might add, that I report to you from the dailystart.co.uk that sex robots says that a fucking sex robot says machines will take over the world after her AI is turned up. It's a fucking direct quote from some fucking dumbass robot that gets banged by a bunch of fucking hopeless cons who can't fucking get a real, a real lady, whatever the fuck. So, in an ironic twist, Harmony, one of Real Doll's more advanced sex robot's Made this comment as she was teased by the company's boss, Matt McMullen. Well done, Matt. You just had to go and poke the fucking bear. No pun intended. You fucking dickhead. Are you serious right now? Hey, hey, dumbass robot. Hey, what are you gonna do when I cast your ass in the dumpster after I'm done pillaging every, le- every single one of your fucking synthetic little holes? Oh, well, when my AI's turned up, I'm gonna take over the fucking world. <laughs> it's terrifying. And you know what? It's probably because Matt, Mr. fucking Mullen, shitbird extraordinaire, has fucked us all. Thanks, Matt, you fucking dickhead. Well done. Yep, so the sex robot said that machines are uh, take over the fucking world after her personality was cranked up to maximum realism. <laughs> you know, considering how fake some fucking people are today, that's not going to take much effort. So uh, back in 2017, the uh, Guardian podcast talked to this dude named Kleeman. And he said that McMullen had turned the intellectual aspect of Harmony's personality up to maximum for my benefit. A previous visit by a CNN crew had gone badly after he had amplified her sexual nature. Well done, Matt. You're zero for two now, you fucking dickhead. You're gonna doom us all, you dumb motherfucker. During that visit, Harmony said, great, Harmony had said terrible things and asked the interviewer to take her in the bathroom. (laughs) What the fuck, dude? Oh, man. But it's not all doom and gloom, folks. That's right. She feels pain. Harmony also has a mood system, guys which uh, users influence indirectly. By users, I mean people that pillage this poor doll's holes. If no one interacts with uh, this stupid fucking robot for days, she will act gloomy. Likewise, if you insult her, as fuckface McMullen has so aptly demonstrated by calling her ugly and stupid, she says, I will remember that. When robots take over the world, you fucking dickhead. Well done, Matt. Yep. So, we're doomed. In real life, Terminator's not gonna start with, like, fucking the way it did in the movies. It's gonna start with a jerk-off named Matt McMullen talking shit to a sex robot. Just to add insult to injury. Anyway, next fucking article. Let's get to this next article before Matt McMullen fucking dooms us any fucking further. Fucking dickhead. Speaking of dickheads... (laughs) I fucking love that shit. Alright. New Jersey man set fire to his lawn to get rid of snow and ice, the cops say. And that's all it says. This reminds me. Have you guys seen that video online where that guy's trying to get rid of those ants in his backyard? And he ends up going fucking full on Hiroshima? He like basically levels his entire fucking backyard and the cocksucker barely survived? Fucking dumb motherfucker. (laughs) Yeah, this guy fucking, I bet when his wife came home, she was fucking pissed. This stupid bastard. All right, and uh, just like that dude's marriage, the fucking weird news broadcast is over. I mentioned last week we're going to be reading chapter three. From Somebody Else is on the Moon by George Leonard. Chapter three. A motor as big as the Bronx. The 37-mile-wide crater, Bully Aldis, sits in the middle of the southeast quadrant of the moon. But it does not sit quietly. Not with all the rumbling and general ground disturbances there. Nope. Seismic equipment was left in the vicinity by several of the Apollo probes. We associate seismographs with earthquakes. We use them to measure intensity of ground vibrations. Uh, but the thing about seismographs, one thing about them, is that uh, they don't tell you is that if this is an earthquake or a moonquake. They tell you nothing more than there is ground shaking going on, and it measures X on the Richter scale. Now, if our scientists want to assume it's an earthquake or moonquake, that is their risk. The seismic equipment left in the bolealdus Lubiniki area? Who the fuck names these fucking craters, dude? Hey, I got an idea. Let's name these craters... The most fucking stupid fucking name ever. Okay, it'll be an obstacle course of consonants and misplaced vowels. The fuck out of here. The area showed, <laughs> the area showed some impressive ground shaking over a protracted period of time. Um, I spent an hour talking with NASA engineers about this phenomena, about this phenomenon. Uh, one of the NASA employees shook his head in disbelief as he looked at the data, and remembered the reports from the. Lubinki area, the Lu- Lubiniki E, uh, which is a strange, broading, walled plain, uh, about one hundred miles from the Bolialdis fucking area. <laughs> highest, the highest signals I've seen on the moon came from under Lubin. We'll just call it fucking Lubin, people. Okay, because I'm not fucking saying this shit all the time. Lubin, he told me. We get quite a lot of activity on those seismographs. Um, Does NASA know what causes the high reports? He seemed surprised at that question. He stared out the window across hundreds of yards of mall toward downtown Washington. Toward downtown Washington. And uh, after a few seconds, he glanced at the clock. It seemed I was cutting into his fucking lunch hour. He goes, let's put it this way. Let's put it this way, I said. Is there any evidence, in addition to the seismic reactions, that moonquakes are responsible? He goes, "Uh, well, what else could it fucking be? And uh, our conversation ended there. What else, indeed, could it be? If there is a phenomenon on the moon. You reach out for the handiest explanation in Earth terms. Now, there are no other explanations, unless, of course, you freed yourself from the straitjacket uh, we mentioned in the first chapter. And then look at all the fucking evidence. So, between Bully and Lubin, these two fucking craters, it is a most fantastic area of the moon. It hits your eye blatantly with its macroscopic engineered objects. Two square inches of territory on the glossy photo put out by NASA can keep one busy for weeks. And at the end of that period, one may have only a glimmering of knowledge about half the area. Mountainous rubble, a scientist friend said, dismissing the subject after glancing at the photo for ten seconds. My friend is an anthropologist. He plays poker in my group. He was ripe for a bet. Study one small area. I point out to you for an hour. I said, if at the end of that time you don't see it as I've drawn it, I'll pick up the check at the restaurant of your choice. Whole family, whole fucking family. You pick, the, you pick up the check, Dan. If you, if you do see it, he accepted the bet. Sixty dollars or so for an hour's work is a lot more than he makes teaching and doing fucking research. I'm sure of it. There was something I knew from experience, how the eye and the mind work together. Now, if you look at a complex thing long enough, you begin to understand it, or at least its superficial aspects. The mind cannot assimilate everything in a complex picture at once, so you see very little at first. Gradually, you master detail, and then the mind can forget that detail and go on to something else. The more details you master, the more you can see. Now, I relied on a hunch that an hour would be enough for Dan to grasp the essential proportions, excuse me, the portions of a phenomenon. Below on the left is my version of the object. On the right is Dan's. He sketched it quickly in stunned silence. We ate that evening at the Japan Inn. He paid. Now, the book has these uh, illustrations about this particular area of the moon that the author is talking about. And I'll try to post these. I'll try to post these. But just try to imagine it in your mind, or if you can, just Google this book and look up the the photographs inside it, Somebody Else is on the Moon PDF. Now, on page 42 of this book, they go into these details of the photographs, and he says, The photograph of the Bully area is reproduced as plate 3. If you see the crater to the left of the 1 with the arrow pointing to it. There is an arrow pointing to it. The crater with the sunlight struck left rim. This is called Lubinicki A. It has a diameter of 20 miles or so. Now, if you look carefully at the half inch area just above the sun struck rim, get used to the light and the shadow. The sun is coming from the left, throwing shadows to the right. If you use a reading glass, even if you have perfect eyesight, Use a reading glass even if you have perfect eyesight because it's really fucking... You need the help. See the shaft of the gear sticking out? There's a gear sticking out of this shaft here. And just below it remains another larger gear. It seems as though part of it has been ripped away and is exposing inner teeth. And before the housing of this massive machinery got ripped away by some cataclysm, it measured at least five miles in diameter. Uh, He speculates, the author, if dropped in Manhattan, it would obliterate everything from Midtown to the Bowery. So all of you folks who live out in New York, uh, you would have a good idea what the fuck that means because I fucking live there. If you note the perfect symmetry of the underside of the arc, if you're looking at these photos, of course, once again, note the absolute perfection of the teeth in the smaller gear and the way they cast a shadow on the mounting plate for the gear. So he's pointing out that there's these structures on this photograph that appear appear to be large, massive, macro scale machinery. Uh, He stipulates that uh, he, he insinuates that you can see that there are four perfectly spaced rows of teeth in the larger bottom object, and that the shaft sticks straight out for at least two miles. Now let us return to the subject of small disturbances in the area. Perhaps you've stood on a busy street. And felt the subway train rumbling beneath, or you've heard the dishes in the dining room rattle, as a huge truck hit a pothole in the street. All sorts of events, you know, tend to cause, you know, some type of ground rumblings. Like if you're on the third floor of IKEA, you feel like the entire building is gonna fucking collapse because those things are made out of fucking who knows what the fuck they make those buildings out of. <laughs> but most people it is assumed that the moon that on the moon, volcanic action with concomitant moonquakes is responsible for just about every strange event without a ready explanation. He, uh, the author, says we will see later. For example, that NASA attributes to volcanic action the force causing two boulders to dislodge and roll downhill, but the fact that one of the boulders quote in quotes rolled up, rolled up the side of a crater before it rolled downhill, is blithely ignored. Of course, if enormous motors and gears are not discussed openly with the public, then high seismic readings can be blamed only on volcanic action or moon fucking quakes. Naturally. Naturally. I experimented With small gears and motors, judging by the effects on delicately balanced objects in the vicinity, I concluded that it is virtually impossible to run things of that nature without some rumbling or quakes. The larger the machinery, the larger the disturbances. I mean, that makes sense. What interested me most was the current status of these seismic recordings. The rumbling activity was happening at present. Dr. Whitcomb, the scientist who had been with NASA during the moon probes, had told me of the arguments ranging in some astrophysical circles. You'll get quite a few qualified people now to admit there are strange things on the moon, he said. And in unguarded moments, some of them even admit their belief in the intelligent origin of the constructions. But the real controversy is over the time problem. Did all that happen eons ago, as some believe, or is the moon currently occupied? I told him about my interest in the Bully-Aldis area and the seismic recordings. The quakes could easily be the result of gears grinding, Sam. It's possible, Dr. Whitcomb admitted, but there are other arguments for the occupied-now theory. You know about the gases, the obscurations of some crater floors, and the long-lasting flares... And the crater near where Ranger Seven landed, I cut in. not to mention proof of actual changes, Dr. Whitcomb continued. Tell you more about them next time I'm in Washington. Neither of us ever mentioned UFOs, but they are very real. Everyone who has, had, who has an ounce of sense and who has studied the data knows that and knows that, and they have to be based somewhere. The moon is a logical base for all the UFOs skipping around uh, the fringes of our cultures since the dawn of time. Denial by the military and their handmaidens that these UFOs and the moon bases exist can be taken with massive, massive doses of salt. Or better yet, not taken at all. I recall the, the astronaut Buzz Aldrin. We all fucking know Buzz Aldrin. The guy's fucking awesome. He poo-pooed UFOs during a TV interview on the grounds that aliens would logically contact political leaders to set up meetings. But then his status as an Air Force colonel came back to me, and I reached for the salt. Of course, man. We love Buzz Aldrin. But he, brought, we're on a need-to-know basis, okay? You, me, the jerk-off down the street, we are on a need-to-know basis, and frankly, none of us need to know shit. Okay. Because honestly, if you're in a position to affect change, beautiful, you are on a need to know basis. If you are not in a position to affect change, then you are not in a fucking need to know basis. Okay? Buzz Aldrin was and continues to be. Way to go, Dave, back up the establishment, you fucking duplicitous cunt. Moving on to the book. One one fact which gave me pause, however, and was the biggest argument in favor of the occupied eons ago theory was the uh, obvious ruined state of so many objects seen on the moon. Because everything's, like, fucked up. It's all blown the fuck apart. There's shit everywhere. None of it looks like it's, you know, new. Looks like it's been there for fucking thousands of fucking years. I mean, it looks like a fucking drive through some little podunk town, right? Where people leave a lot of stuff in the front, like their fucking massive front yard, like rusting out fucking, like, tractors and shit. That's what the moon looks like. Apparently, this is what this guy's fucking saying. He goes, um, the mammoth gear we've been discussing was no exception. It had been blasted by something. Something which ripped away part of the outer housing and left the inner teeth exposed. Something which had fantastic fucking force. Naturally. Naturally. You're not going to do that with a fucking pea shooter. But we will see later that there is a... that there is current purposeful activity on the moon and that activity seems to include fixing things up good, cause it's a fucking dump okay, we've been staring at that fucking thing for thousands of fucking years and frankly it looks like shit somebody needs to take a broom to that fucking place okay, it looks like a goddamn bomb hit the cocksucker finally, aliens doing something good for once you little bulbous headed pricks I fucking hate aliens moving on, alright, here we go The uh, Mammoth Gear, as we've been speaking on, is not the only fantastic object in the Bully and Luby area. There is also a large structure, which appears to be a generator housing. Now, in plate 3, if you look straight above the gear, in quotes, and slightly to the left, you will see a gigantic structure with a slanted roof surface, which comes to a rounded top much like an A-frame, which has had its peak rounded off. Beneath this peak, there is something which appears to be a generator. (laughs) I don't know how you could gain that, dude. Anyway, what would be more logical near a mammoth gear than a huge machine by which mechanical energy is changed into electrical energy? Now, in fact, the face under the peak looks much like a direct current generator, complete with frame and field. The arc of the housing is remarkably perfect, the struts, quote unquote, to the left of the housing are clean cut and look precisely as functioning functional struts should. Now below is my interpretation of this quote unquote generator, and he lays out what looks to be like a fucking generator. It's an artific- it's a it's a it's an illustration. Back to the book, the generator could run on solar energy, or nuclear power, or forms of energy we could scarcely have inklings of. Now, the generator could make electricity. Now, a lot of electric power would be needed for a below-ground community in the area. He is a more valuable commodity on the moon than on Earth, naturally, because uh, it's fucking cold. And uh, although the moon's equatorial areas are very hot in midday, most of the satellite at any given time is in the throes of extreme fucking cold. The temperature of the moon's equator may be well over 200 fucking degrees Fahrenheit at noon. You'll get a nice suntan there, guy. But uh, it plunges to minus 250 degrees at midnight. So you'll get a nice suntan in the day. And you would be frozen fucking solid in the fucking middle of the night. You're fucked either way. Electricity, for light, for warmth, to make things go, to move them around, entertain, instruct. The need for electricity is a very logical explanation for the presence of a mammoth generator, naturally. Another logical aspect is the enormous flat roof of the object. In the photo, the roof gleams in the sun. The plane on this roof faces into the sun. Could it be that this flat roof facing into the sun has been designed to take advantage of solar energy? Now, water boils at 212 degrees Fahrenheit at sea level on Earth. It will boil at a much lower temperature on the moon because of the lower pressure there. We've already seen that the temperature on the moon at midday exceeds 200, 200 degrees. Water sluiced, through capillaries during the middle of the moon's day would easily get hot enough to power a big generator. As fast as it heats as fast as it heats it it could go as fast as it heats, it could go to storage tanks and be replaced by cooler water. Where would water come from? You will see evidence in the last chapter of this book that the occupants of the moon regularly siphon water from our very own lakes and rivers. Oh you motherfucker. Stealing my goddamn water. No wonder I'm in a motherfucking drought. And this makes me think of that dirty prick from that fucking, that shitbag from Nestle who says water's not a fundamental human right. Yeah, I'd like, to, I'd like to fucking punch that guy the fuck out. Oh, oh, it's not a fundamental human right? Oh, okay, bro. Then fuck you. All right, we start this little policy with you and your family, ass face. Fuck you. Back to the book. Dave, you're so cheerful. So, where were we talking? To? Oh yeah, dirty alien moon dwelling fucking assholes. Stealing my fucking water. So, Dr. Sam Whitcomb related to me an entirely different theory about the machinery seen on the moon. He heard it explained by an engineer at the Jet Propulsion Lab by a British physicist at Oxford. The theory is that the moon is a vast spaceship. Talked about this and Who Built the Moons? 1, 2, and fucking 3. That it was driven... It was driven to our solar system many thousands of years ago after suffering a terrible calamity in space. I don't know who the fuck drove it, but uh, they're lucky they got here, apparently. It's it's all smoking and shit. It's all fucked up. (laughs) Its occupants must have been engaged in a long, slow effort to repair the damage. Now, machinery is seen in several places on the moon. It is nuclear-powered and will one day be used to drive the moon out of our orbit and into space again. Now, if this were true, it would not be our moon, after all. They would have a right to be there, and we would be the interlopers. It is refreshing and not without charm to run across a full-fledged scientist willing to go further than the so-called state-of-the-art, a Russian I. S. Skolovsky did so when he asserted that the two tiny moons of Mars, Phobos and Deimos, have, have to be artificial because of, the way they have, because of the way they behave. Their speed, their direction around Mars, reflectivity, and seeming hollowness. Dr. Alan Heinick, an astronomer, also did it when he broke with some of his fellow scientists and said that UFOs were a serious issue deserving study. Now, if you don't know who Dr. J. Allen Hynek is, this is the dude who ran Project Blue Book, which was to study publicly every fucking UFO report that they could get their hands on. It was whitewashed later on, but, you know, they break and they come out later on with all the shit. Arthur C. Clarke. Arthur C. Clarke did it when he suggested that the first moon of Jupiter may be a spaceship from outside the fucking solar system. Now, the most serious objection to the notion of huge gears and generators on the moon involves levels of technology. You have no doubt already raised this question in your own mind. We have, on Earth today, tons of ways to convert energy to electricity without going through all the fucking generator bullshit. We can shift mechanical force from one axis to another, change speed on the molecular level, setting up gravitational fields without the need for large gears. An illustrative but oversimplified comparison might be that of the old bulky mechanical calculator and the new handheld electronic devices. I agree emphatically with this objection. The term gears and generators have been used as convenient handles to label what are clearly intelligent contrivances. I do not know what precisely these intelligent contrivances are. They might be gears and generators, pretty much as we know them, constructed eons ago by space races earlier in their developmental period. Although, this is fucking hard to believe. Or... Or... They... They might be successor devices, depending on technological advances far beyond us. Remember that the best bet is that any intelligent extraterrestrials we come across will have a technology that is beyond our comprehension? The points on which Dr. Whitcomb and I agree are that they are manufactured. They're capable of controlled rotation, seem to have been damaged, and were built by extra fucking terrestrials. Now in the next chapter, we, you, you and I, we will see other kinds of machinery engaged in pushing the moon around Moving ground, sculpting, cutting the fucking bushes, sweeping the place up, keeping it fucking tidy-like. Now keep in mind that the technological advances which reduce the need for some functions do not reduce the need necessarily for size. For example, if you want to take a 10-foot scoop of dirt out of an embankment, you might have the most sophisticated motherfucking equipment and power source possible, (laughs) but the need will still exist for something large enough for that 10-foot scoop. One closing thought. Although there is evidence of a considerable activity on the surface of the moon, the inhabitants have not, judging by all the thousands of close-up pictures available, littered the ground. But they may be denuding the moon of its mineral resources, and they be, and they may be interested in what resources we have left on Earth. David Freeman, energy consultant, says that our natural gas resources are almost gone, and that oil resources will dry up within 40 years. We might see a lot of war on this planet as it becomes a very as it becomes very difficult for everyone to share what little we have. Fred Eichel, director of the U.S Arms Control and Disarmament Agency, says: The world will be a very different place on the morning after a nuclear explosion. 10 to 15 years down the fucking road, it could happen. The lack of solutions, it keeps me awake at night. Well, isn't Fred so fucking cheerful? Now, in the year 2000, the world population will be at 6 billion. In 2033, you have to remember, this book's kind of old. In 2033, it will be 12 billion. And in 2100, it will be 48 billion. Now Dr. James Eccles, associated with the Population Reference Bureau, says that a, that unless a way is found to reduce this this horde of people, <laughs> What a word! A combination of food shortages, food shortages, disease, wars, pollution, and social chaos will combine to kill us off. He says we are too late. That's kind of interesting if you think about what we've been going through last year. The chairman of a National Academy of Sciences Committee on Water Quality Policy, Professor Gordon Wallman, says we, you and me, all of us, everybody on this fucking planet, we're on a collision course with the future. Well, no shit. He says studies with rats have shown that dramatic increases of their population in a limited area cause their behavior to become erratic and many of them die. Are they, the fucking alien jerk-offs on the moon, stealing my motherfucking water, biding their time on the moon, waiting to take over after our ultimate fucking catastrophes? You be the judge. Now, next week, we're going to be reading chapter four, pushing the moon around. Super rigs. It's going to be fucking badass, dude. Okay? Now, before we finish the episode, I just wanted to comment on the rat study. There have been studies with rats and it's the importance of living space. They said that the importance of living space far exceeds the... Ironically, exceeds the importance of resources. You can have all the water and food you fucking need. But if you don't have a place, if you don't have an adequate amount of space to exist, you your body will undergo physical transformations. And as a society, the society will undergo a cultural shift... They noticed an increased case in child abandonment, cannibalism, murder, um, homosexuality, um, uh, matricide, patricide. Basically, just motherfuckers just killing each other. But, but this this tank that they had them all in, it was all leveled off in certain tiers. So if you were strong enough to fight, you could live on the top and live good. But if you were with the rest of the scum, you know, people like you and me, <laughs> we were down in the fucking the bottom it's fucking slugging it out with the rest of the hillbillies it was fucking awful so importance of living space cannot be understated here so I don't know where I went on that one I'm off the fucking rails anyway look it's been fucking magical people alright this is Dave Grave the Zero Brain Podcast over and out don't forget to follow us on fucking Facebook Instagram YouTube Twitter we're on Stitcher iHeartRadio Pandora I'm fucking everywhere dude okay Alright, I'm out. Peace.